I'm going to start out just with a, a confession. We're going to be talking about confessions today. So I'm just going to confess to you guys that one of the things you might not know when uh, us pastors are preparing our sermons, one of the harder things that comes up during that week or that month as we're preparing is that God decides to do that exact message in us before we preach it. And so uh, today we are talking about confessing in the ways that, that we don't honor God. And so I'm going to start with my confession. And my confession is that as I was starting to prepare this sermon, I thought, well, you know, I'm a pastor now. I went to seminary. I know what I'm talking about. And as I was as I was working on this and, and reading the scripture, I was convicted that too often I lean on my own understanding. It was perfect that Brian shared instead of leaning on God. Um, and so I just wanted to throw that out there. I just wanted to confess to you guys. Would you pray with me as we open God's word? God, we thank you that... This message doesn't have to be a message that makes us feel sad or guilty or shameful. Because we have the confidence that you have purified us. That through Jesus' death, we have confidence that we are forgiven. That our sins do not define us anymore. That we don't have to feel afraid of you or afraid of those around us. I ask that you would speak through your word today, that we would be reminded of how loved we are. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are worse than you think you are, but you are far more loved than you feel you are. It's a quote from Timothy Keller. I think that's enough. That's my sermon. I'm done. What an amazing quote. We are worse than we think we are, but we are truly loved more than we can ever imagine. As we've been journeying through the book of Psalms um, these past few weeks, this summer, we've looked at Psalms of thanksgiving, of praise, of lament. And one of the things I love about the Psalms is that it helps us to express our feelings in a healthy way. Often we think of feelings like anger or guilt or shame, and they, we think of them as negative feelings. But all too often, we're expressing them in an improper way. Today's psalm is a notorious psalm. It's Psalm 151. All my pastor friends, when I shared with them I was preaching on this, said, good luck, Joy, that's a really easy psalm to preach on. And if you can remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Curtis actually preached on a similar psalm, a similar time in King David's life. He preached on Psalm 32. It's kind of like watching a movie and then going and watching the origin story uh, movie right after that. It's not chronological, but these are the Psalms, and as we read them, we can hear from God in new ways every time. Often when we look at Psalm 51, we focus on the nice parts. I mean, we even sang today, create in us a clean heart. 
This psalm was written by King David after his sin with Bathsheba and against Uriah. There's nothing easy or fluffy about this. King David was called out by the prophet Nathan about his sin. He thought he could hide it, and yet God said, nope, I see it. In the early 1900s, the London Times asked a bunch of people to write an essay on what was wrong with the world. I mean, imagine if they did that today. We'd have a lot of responses. Yet one of the people that wrote to them shared this. His name was G.K. Chesterton, and he was a Christian, and he was a Christian thinker, and he responded, Dear Sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. You see, G.K. understood something we often gloss over. We can easily look at the world around us and tell you what is wrong with the world, but rarely do we ever look at ourselves. We can easily fix the world around us, and we know exactly what others should do, but we don't ever look at ourselves. In his teachings, Jesus talked about how we're always willing to take the speck or the sawdust out of someone else's eye, and yet we have a two-by-four in our own eye. We can easily point out others' sin rather than looking at our own lives. This was true of David as he wrote this psalm. The prophet Nathan told David this long story about a rich man who had lots of sheep. And he had a visitor coming, and so he wanted to prepare a meal. But instead of taking his own sheep, he took his neighbor's sheep. And his neighbor had one sheep, and he loved this sheep so much. And yet this rich man took this sheep and used it for his dinner. David was outraged. He said, I need justice for this man. And Nathan said, you are that man. You have done this exact same thing. It can be uncomfortable when we are called out about our, about our sin. It was uncomfortable for King David. But it's this place of awareness, this place of brokenness, that David wrote this psalm. Yet it isn't a psalm that's just for David. It's a psalm for us today when we find ourselves in a similar position. When we are aware of our sin and in need of forgiveness. Today you might feel a bit uncomfortable because if you're like me, you love to focus on happy things. But my prayer for this sermon today is it would help you understand the depth that you are loved by God that you should be happy about this truth, that by taking time to sit and look at our brokenness, that we might feel uncomfortable, but I believe it is so needed. With that in mind, let's turn to Psalm 151. Keep in mind, we're not gonna skip over some parts. We're gonna soak it all in. This is what I love about the Psalms. David and the writers aren't just focusing on our happy days. <laughs> but they understand that what real life looks like. Odds are that you too have had a bad day, and these psalms help us express those emotions. So Psalm 51, I'm going to read verses 1 through 2. He writes, Have mercy on me, O God, 
according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. The prophet Nathan had just confronted King David about his sin. I mean, wouldn't you think he would be aware of it? (laughs) He had just killed somebody to cover up his sin. And yet, he needed the prophet Nathan to share with him where he had sinned. We all need people like Nathan to call out patterns of sin in our lives that we can be forgiven. Nathan then declares to David that God's punishment will be what his punishment will be. Although God will spare his life, there are other consequences to King David's sin. David could have easily said, all right, I'm done. This is too much. I don't like that God calls out my sin. And yet he didn't do this. Instead of hiding his sin, he confessed them to God. He knew that this request of forgiveness wasn't based on any of his good works. I mean, yeah, he didn't kill Saul when he had a hundred times had a chance to kill him. You know, he, um, he did so much uh, for God. He, <laughs> he even was called a man after God's own heart. And yet David doesn't start pulling up all these things that he did that were good. He comes to God and says, I know that my forgiveness is based off of your character, that you are merciful, that you don't give me what I deserve because I deserve death. We see this again and again in the Bible, that God is merciful. He gives us second chance after second chance, and he never gives up on us. And when David speaks of love, of God's love, he's speaking of this covenantal love. When we think of a covenant, we think of probably two people who made an agreement, who have some terms, like a marriage or a contract between two people. But instead of both people, both sides, having to live up to this agreement, God simply says, I'll hold up my side. I'll continue to love you even though you keep walking away. And then David goes on to share that God is compassionate. He sees our pain. Whether it's self-inflicted guilt or pain from circumstances we had no role in, God doesn't turn his back on our sorrows. He sits with us in those times. And based off of God's character, King David and us today can have confidence that we are forgiven. But before we can be made new, we must come to terms with our own sin. We must be honest with ourselves and God. King David showed us what it looks like as we continue in Psalm 51. He says this, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I am sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Have you ever made a mistake? 
Of course you have. You're human. We're all human. And if you're like me, my natural way of dealing with a mistake isn't just to forget about it. It's actually to replay it over and over in my mind. To put myself down, to say mean and rude comments to myself that I would never dare say to other people. Just to be clear, this is not what you're supposed to do. But sometimes we replay a mistake over and over in our heads that we can become physically sick. I've done that before. Does any, has anyone else done that? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, okay. I was like, at, at least we know that King David is like me because he tells God when he wakes up, when he sleeps, when he walks, when he's eating, he is reminded of his sin. He can't change it. He, he can't change the past, but, but it's overwhelming him in this moment when he realizes what he has done. Whether it's a sin of omission or our sin of hurting others, ourselves, or God, we're full of it. The realization should bring us to a place of brokenness. That brokenness doesn't have to be a bad thing, though. It actually can bring us to a place of confession. The question for us today is, does our broken, what does our brokenness lead us to? If our realization of our sin leads us to distancing ourselves from God and others, that's not the correct way to respond. The correct way is to be aware of our sin and letting it, letting it lead us to repentance and wanting to be closer to God. David continues on, and he says in verse 7, Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness, and let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Jennifer Benson Schultz writes, When we are truly broken over our sin, God lovingly puts us back together. True brokenness isn't despair, but an honesty before God of what he's already aware of. I heard this story about a man who wrote to the IRS. And because of his guilty conscience, he wrote, I haven't been able to sleep. This last year, I filed my income taxes, and I reported deliberately and misrepresented my income. I am enclosing a check for $150. If I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest. <laughs> This man only confessed his mistake because he couldn't get a good night's sleep. Not because he felt like what he did was wrong, but because he couldn't sleep. He just, it was a half-hearted confession, and this is not what David is talking about. He's not talking about this half-hearted, I just want peace. That's why I'm asking for forgiveness. King David is asking for hyssop the traditional herb that the priests would use when they would sprinkle those who needed cleansing. Sometimes it was with water, and sometimes it was with blood. It was the same herb they used when they left, before they left Egypt as slaves. 
they used hyssop and they dipped it in the blood of the lambs and they put it over their doorpost so that they would be safe from the angel of death. Although we don't need hyssop to clean us, we do need the blood of Jesus. And it is his death that we can have confidence that we too can be cleansed. But if we aren't aware of our sin, we cannot be cleansed. Being aware of our sin is actually a good thing. Barbara Brown Taylor wrote in her book, Speaking of Sin, that sin is our only hope. When we see how we have turned away from God, then and then only do we have what we need to begin turning back. Sin is our only hope, the fire alarm that wakes us up to the possibility of true repentance. I've never thought of it before like that. Being mindful of our sin can actually be something that wakes us up to realize that we are in fact going down the wrong road. On my vacation with a few weeks ago with my aunt, we went hiking because I love hiking. And we went in the Ojai area and it was a breath of fresh air. There was only one other person on that trail that whole day. After spending... It was a whole week with 17 students and three chaperones <laughs> for rock and water. It was so nice to be like, there was no other people. It was just my aunt and I. <laughs> I love people, just, just to be clear. Um, but <laughs> it was so nice. And we were walking down this path. And my aunt had been there before. And she kept looking at me. She goes, I don't know. I, I think we're going down the wrong path. And at first, we were just kept walking. And then I thought, you know, we need to be aware if we're going down the wrong path. And so I pulled out my phone. And I don't know if you have this app. It's called All Trail. And I pulled it out. And I looked. And I said, what is this, what is this path supposed to look like? And she shared with me, oh, it's supposed to go around the lake. Um, and so I found it on my app. And I said, oh, yeah, we are on the wrong way. We need to turn around. And we need to go onto the right path. We could have easily decided, you know what, it's not worth it. We're just going to keep going down the wrong path. And yet we said, no, I don't want to continue down the wrong path. Although I don't recommend just keeping going down on hiking paths, often we actually do that with our sin. We don't want to be aware if we're right or wrong because that might lead us to feeling guilty. But instead, we are told that that's actually an opportunity for us to get closer to God. David didn't just want a rinsing off. He understood that we need heart surgery. They were grosser than we could ever imagine, and yet there's hope because we are loved by God. I saw this video on TikTok. After all, I am the youth pastor. And on, on this video, this lady had taken the hats of her significant other. There was, I think, about five hats. And she took these hats and she put them in her bathtub. She filled it up with water and detergent. And if you are a hat wearer, you know exactly what happened in that bathtub. As she would squeeze out the hats more and more dirt came out of those hats. I think it was five hours later, the whole bathtub, the water was completely brown. It was disgusting. And yet 
she showed us the pictures before and after, and you thought, did she buy all new hats? Because of how deeply she had cleaned those hats. I love wearing hats, and I often just brush off, maybe you're like this, brush off the dirt, brush off that sand, brush off that dust, and keep going. I don't often deep clean my hats, and yet our hearts are the same way. Often we can just think that we just need a quick rinsing off, and that's all we need. King David told us that's not what we need. We need a deep cleaning. We need to be aware of our sin. That kind of cleansing is hard. I mean, imagine all that buildup of dirt that's in our hearts. And yet, confession brings us to a place where we can be cleaned. I didn't grow up in a Presbyterian church. The first time I had ever heard of a prayer of confession was at my first job as a youth director at an eco church. I was confused at first on why are we confessing our sins? Hasn't God already forgiven us? I mean, why are we having this moment in our service? It just feels like a downer. But I want to share with you what I discovered about the prayer of confession. You might already know this, but in case you're like me and a little confused, um, it's really important that we have the prayer of confession and assurance of pardon in our service. Rick Velotis, in his book, Good and Beautiful and Kind, says this. To confess our sins doesn't mean obsessing over our mistakes. To confess our sin, especially together in a community, is an act of solidarity. It's a practice of reminding us that we are all on equal footing, all in need of grace, and that we have all have sinned and have been sinned against and who we are in the same broken family. We see many examples in the Bible of corporate confession. But the effects of confessing our sins together does more than just put us on equal footing. It helps us to practice something we should be doing throughout the week. It helps us to have a habit of confession which in the end brings us closer to God. There are two effects that our sin, our being aware of our sin can have on us. It can make us distant from God, or we can take the opportunity to confess and become closer to God. Imagine if every time you sinned, the connection between you and God, it was like a string and it was cut every time you sinned. But when we confess, that string would become retied. And then in the end, we are brought closer and closer to God through confession. King David continues to write this. In verse 13, he says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. 
the sacrifice, sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O Lord, you do not despise. David doesn't just stop with himself. He doesn't just say, you know, confession is great for me. I'm going to confess my sins knowing that God will forgive me. He wants everyone around him to do it too. He wants those around him to have confidence in knowing that God will forgive them. The Apostle John writes to one of the early churches that very fact from the scripture that Kelly read from, for us. He tells them, we are broken people who sin. If we say we're without sin, well, we're oblivious as a man who has a log in his eye trying to pull splinters out of his friend's eye. The bad news is that we're broken, and that's natural for us humans. The good news is there's hope. When we come to terms with our sin, when we confess it, God is faithful and just to purify us and make us clean. We must first admit our sin, and we need to allow sin to be that fire alarm that leads us to repentance. Because God wants to forgive us. He wants to remind us that we are forgiven. He wants to give us a new heart. But we must confess, not just so that we get sleep at night or peace, but because we truly want to be cleansed by God. We don't want sin to control our lives. We don't want to let shame and guilt stop us from crying out to God. I love what David writes that my sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a contrite heart, and that God doesn't despise it. In the NLT version, it reads, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. David's sin was horrible. I think we can all agree. He went to great extents to hide his sin. We often do the very same in our own lives. We might think, oh, well, his sin was a little bad, worse than my sin. And he's a little worse off. But we all have that sin, that pet sin that we feed every so often. Oh, it doesn't hurt anyone. And yet, before God, sin is sin. And sin separates us from having a close relationship with God. So my prayer for us today is that our hearts would be soft, that we would be repentant, that when we confess our sins, whether it's in community or in private, that we would be reminded of God's gracious love towards us. We don't have to hide from God. We are no longer slaves to sin. And so let's stop, start acting like free people. Would you pray with me? Dear God, I thank you for this good news. That although we are broken people that are full of sin, you love us. And you desire to have a close relationship with us. God, I ask that you would touch our hearts to point out the ways that we are not following you. We ask that you would bring us to a place of confession that we might be closer to you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.